Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. I'm very excited for today's guest. He has a brand new one. It is Jeffrey Sue. You might know him on Instagram as First Call Out Fitness. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on. I've been following you for a while, and I repost yeah. your stuff a lot. And I felt like you were the perfect fit to talk about today's topic, which would be adrenal fatigue. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a topic that affects... I, mean, I think I, I, equal equally men and women, but women in particular, just due to all the, the hormonal shifts that they have and all the responsibilities that they juggle, they tend to be more at the mercy of uh, stress and cortisol and all that. Yeah, a lot of women I, I work with are super resilient too, where when they tell me their life, I'm like, I don't know how you're handling everything. You got four kids, you got a business, you're a wife, you got this house that you're taking care of. And it's like, oh, it's fine. Like, I'm okay. And then when, when you see their schedule, they're like up from 4am and go to bed at like 10 o'clock at night. It's, it's a lot that people juggle. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of women, they are not really cognizant of the different types of stresses um, that are in their lives. And they may just think of stress as, you know, business stress or personal life relationship stress, but there's a lot of different types of stresses and it all kind of adds to an overall load. And a, a person can only sustain so much mm-hmm. until things start to break down. Yeah, conflict isn't the only stress that you can have, right? And even like good stress can be really tiring on the body, like, mm-hmm. um, moving or getting married or planning some sort of event like yeah that's exciting that's something good but that stress also adds up and then of course exercising and doing too much because what do some of these high performing people do they lean towards exercise as a coping mechanism not recognizing that they're making their problems worse absolutely yeah um we can get real deep into all this but i mean people really need to learn how to almost separate, you know, stressors, coping mechanisms, habits, anxiety versus stress, these type of things that maybe we can talk about, you know, as we go on on this, on this podcast. Yeah. And so we need stress to stay alive, right? We can't just like have zero stress and be this like super mellow person. We need it. It's, it's naturally occurring. Um, Let's kind of talk about what are signs that someone might be experiencing too much stress that it's harming their health. Yeah, so too much stress, um, you know, primarily can be seen in sleep problems. So people who are just kind of laying there in bed, you know, not being able to fall asleep because they're thinking about things that have happened during the day or things that they need to do the next day. Um, So that can feed into anxiety and anxiety is another form of stress. Um, So I would say with my clients, I see sleep disturbances most, and I also see changes in eating habits as -hmm. well. And are you having your clients just track their sleep with like a watch or just kind of paying attention to like themselves? 
Paying attention, really. Um, I don't do too much um, biometric tracking. Um, so I'll just ask people, you know, are they having trouble falling asleep? What's their uh, sleep, sleep latency? Um, how long do they sleep for? Do they get up in the middle of the night and they can't go back to sleep? Things like that could tell you a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing to take note on is trying to figure out things that already set you up for poor sleep. And so that could look like being on um, electronics super late, sleeping in like a really hot, oh, yeah. hot environment. Um, the other thing would be doing something stressful before you go to bed. So like, don't do your taxes before you go to bed <laughs> um, or accounting or anything like that. Or yeah. even, even working out late, I find can really screw someone's sleep up. Yes. Yeah. Especially because you're, you're stimulating your, your nervous system, right. To be in that sympathetic state. And then some people, it takes longer for that parasympathetic resting and digesting and sleeping state to take hold and they can't calm down. So yeah, having a, um, a, a sleep routine or good sleep hygiene, um, is definitely very important in managing stress because sleep is a huge, I would say the, the largest buffer we have against Mm -hmm. the daily stressors that we experience. Yeah, definitely. And um, would you also say like waking up and feeling exhausted is also a sign that something further is going on? Yeah, I mean, then we're talking about like cortisol um, secretion, right? So cortisol is a hormone produced by your adrenal glands. They're they're two tiny little glands in the body and they um, basically secrete a hormone that is necessary for flight or fight. So if you're feeling super, super tired in the morning and not being able to hit the ground running, it could be a sign of very, very low amounts of cortisol because because again, it's needed to get you started. That flight or flight feeling is the same feeling that you get when you drink a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people who also have this struggle in the morning to get started, they become caffeine dependent because Mm -hmm. they're filling that gap. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that. I don't know if you've even seen people who like, it's not super common in fitness, but like the vaping and people will do that for like an energy boost too, like yeah. nicotine. Um, but yeah, abusing coffee. It's kind of funny too, because coffee technically is a drug, right? Caffeine and people will be like, Oh, I can't function without my coffee. And it's like, okay, well that's because you've made that a habitual thing versus trying to shift that from drinking your coffee first to drinking your water first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yep. And any, any substance that you use to stimulate your body's hormonal systems um, comes with a degree of tolerance and resistance. So you need a little bit more every time to get the same effect. Mm-hmm. And so the thing about coffee is that the reason why coffee makes you feel alert is because it stimulates the cortisol. So it's the hormones that it stimulates that's making you feel alert. It's not the coffee itself. And yeah. overstimulation of those adrenal glands over time is what contributes to what the medical community calls adrenal insufficiency or what the coaching community calls um, adrenal fatigue. Yeah. It's like your adrenals are working all the time and they can't get a break. And so eventually that just like takes a toll on your body. Um, But I think a lot of people, like you said, like they're just kind of going through the motions and they don't recognize that like not sleeping at night and being tired a lot throughout the day or just feeling this like constant underlying anxiety all day long they think that that's normal versus recognizing that those sort of things are not normal and I used to be like that too I mean I in college like I was always doing a lot and 
I would like work two jobs. I would be pounding energy drinks all day. Luckily, I wasn't a big drinker, so that's good, I guess. But I was also over-exercising. I felt very anxious all the time. Like I almost like would have like little breakdowns over something small, but I didn't recognize it's because I was doing way too much and I was never taking rest days. I was not eating enough. And my body was like screaming at me to just like chill out. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, you know, a lot of people who are high achievers, type A personalities, um, you know, that might be, be you. Cause I, I know I'm like that with, with my coaching business. Uh, would mm-hmm. you say that you are kind of? I'm super competitive. Like I'll reach yeah. a goal and then I set a new one, like two seconds later. Yeah. So it's people like us and perhaps your listeners out there too, that will push and push and push until something breaks. And so then there's the problem of having to fix it, depending on how long you've been pushing. Mm-hmm. So it, it it takes a little bit of discipline and um, temperance and introspection to know, you know, are you overreaching and for how long can you sustain that? And maybe you should take a little break. Yeah. Maybe we should dive more into like the mental signs that we need to take a break. And then even like some more physical signs, because we already talked about the sleep. And so like, what would be other things physically to look out for um, that your body's sending the sign, like, Hey, like we might need to reevaluate and, and give your body a break. Well, I mean, a lot of people end up getting sick, you know, when they're, they're overstressed. So if you see a period of time, let's say a period of six months where you're constantly sick and run down, mm-hmm. um, that's a clear sign of stress and inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find yourself having, you know, cravings for salt and sugar, things that you, you know, normally wouldn't eat or, you know, losing, you're losing an ability to say no and abstain from those foods, that is a sign of um, cortisol dysregulation as well, especially craving salt. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you notice these changes and um, you're noticing how you're treating people around you, um, how you're um, expressing your anger or your anxiety, um, those are all signs that you might need to pull back. Would you say like some inflammation could also be tied into this too? Like just feeling inflamed and more sore? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, cortisol, the hormone cortisol also controls, um, or modulates inflammation, right? So cortisol is actually needed to quell inflammation. So a lot of people think of stress and cortisol as a bad thing. Um, but related to inflammation and cortisol is um, blood sugar dysregulation. So mm-hmm. one thing that you'll see is an increase in your fasted blood glucose and over time your A1C, which is a three month average of your blood glucose. Um, because cortisol is a glucocorticoid, it's a hormone that can control the levels of sugars in your blood. And the main reason why it does that is because sugars is what fuels us. So recall that cortisol is a flight or fight hormone, right? So it's providing fuel for us to physically flee. However, in our modern day society, you know, your boss telling you that you have, you know, a deadline to meet is perceived as the same thing as if back when we lived in caves and, you know, an animal were, were to attack us, you know, so the same physiological response. I think another thing too, kind of going into a lot of women who put a lot on their, their plate is learning how to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of women are people pleasers and I've had a lot of my clients who are like, my boss gave me this, I have to do it now, or I'm going to have to skip a meal because I have to make my work a priority. And I'm like, Hey, like you not taking care of yourself is already going to affect that task that you have on hand. 
-hmm. And so not setting boundaries, not like putting your work emails at like, do not disturb at seven o'clock at night, like a very reasonable time is important. And also like, I used to do this in my business. I don't know if you're like this at all, Jeffrey, but like I used to work seven days a week. Like mm-hmm. I would always check my email. I would even do check-ins seven days a week. And I'm like, this is just like ridiculous. Like I don't have a single day off and I didn't have any boundaries and I was starting to burn out. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, it could be like a um, like a trigger for you know people like us who are you know overworkers in terms of anxiety, like missing out on something. Like um, not doing enough. Not doing enough, yeah. It could come from, you know, childhood trauma too. And, and that's one thing that people need to understand about stress and anxiety is that, um, you know, like stress is, let's say like a dog is chasing you and bites you. That's a stressful event. And maybe that happened to you in your childhood. And then now every time, you know, you walk past like dogs, you have this like heightened awareness and you feel anxious. So think of anxiety as sort of like a, like a learned response to a stressor, okay? So depending on what you're anxious about, those root causes could be traced back to something that affected you as a a child or young adult. Mm -hmm. A lot of like anxiety too, I find is just like the what ifs and like you're creating all these scenarios that just haven't happened, but you start to believe them. And that can just be really exhausting and really hard on the body because going into fight or flight, if you're just sitting on the couch, like trying to relax, and then you think about, well, what if I don't do this? Or what if I don't do that? And then you just like start spiraling and you're checking your heart rate and your heart rate's like spiked up. It's like, this is taking a toll on you. And I know that I'm super guilty of that. Yeah. You know, what's funny too. I don't know if you do this, but I have had, I've done this myself and I know clients who do this, but like, I'll sometimes just be sitting, like, let's say I'm just sitting in a park and some guy will just be walking like by me. And I'll just imagine like, what if that guy came up to me and like kicked me? What would I do? Like, would I get into a fight with him? What would the fight look like? And then I picture myself fighting this random guy and I'm just sitting like in the middle of like nowhere. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just think of? Like, why does my brain function that way? And so when people imagine scenarios in their heads, like worst case scenarios, or they're just just bored and they they come up with something. Final destination stuff. It's the same response. Yeah, it's it's weird, but people do that. You know? Yeah, I knew I knew I had a problem when every single time I approach an escalator, I get I picture the most horrible thing happening: a shoelace yeah. falling in there and ripping my foot off, and then tearing my <laughs> leg off. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why am I thinking yeah. about that? That's horrible. Yeah, but yeah. I can't Whatever. help it. Or like before an airplane takes off, I'm like, mm, this might crash. <laughs> what? Yeah. Why yeah. am I doing that? It's <laughs> stuff like that that people need to be aware of yeah and just kind of try to shut it down right then and there what are some ways that have because this kind of sounds like similar to you is what are some ways that help you kind of level yourself out when you find your brain going into this like ridiculous way of thinking Mm. well it helps to centralize yourself in the now so if you can if you catch yourself I would focus on some sort of task that you can physically do right now to pull mm-hmm. you out that's what i i've tried myself and it, it does help to a certain yeah. degree but my mind still tends to do that that weird stuff yeah <laughs> sometimes i think it can also help talking about it and hopefully talking about it with someone that can't really relate to that because then they can kind of rationalize things for you 
Yeah. Um, because like if I I think of something, I'll like say it to a friend, but like that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because of this, this, and this. I'm like, oh, okay, like you're right. And that can kind of help saying it out loud and recognizing like how silly this is. One other thing that helps me is like if I'm thinking about all these tasks that need to be done, I'll just remind myself that nothing is going to fall apart if that task doesn't get done in this moment. Like your right. world is not going to crash and fall apart and you're going to be okay. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I think that's something that's easier said than done for most though. And it takes a lot of practice. A lot of awareness. Know, yeah. That's a work. Yeah. I always tell my clients like, you know, write down whatever's stressing you out, write down if it's like a life or death thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then categorize it into things that are in your control and that you can actually plan for to fix or things that involve other people to plan for and fix, or things that nobody can help you with and you can't even control yourself and learn to push those aside and let time or life or whatever take care of it. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to talk more about is how I find out a lot of these people too are trying to find an outlet for relief and Mm -hmm. they'll turn towards alcohol. And so can we talk about (laughs) more so how alcohol can impact someone who's dealing with adrenal fatigue? Yeah, well, alcohol um, is is a very addictive substance and it can change um, your neurotransmitters over time and how your body reacts to, you know, serotonin and uh, dopamine and Mm -hmm. GABA and all of that. So there are a lot of people, so addiction is, um, is, largely genetic. So it's, there's a, there's a genetic component, there's an epigenetic component. And what a lot of people don't may not realize or know the science behind this is that there are certain people who are just more prone to experiencing stress and because they don't metabolize certain hormones properly. So they linger. And because those hormones linger, the effects linger. And so by inserting alcohol or inserting other drugs into the mix, you're slowly changing your brain chemistry over time in a, an unfavorable pattern. So mm-hmm. it certainly doesn't, doesn't help um, anybody in terms of a, a biochemical perspective. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of similar with coffee too, where people start with their one cup a day and then that turns into two and then that turns into three. Mm-hmm. You know, tolerance can build up with alcohol as well. And so your one drink turns into two, it turns into three, it turns into four. And I, I, I try to tell my female clients, like technically two drinks, more than that is considered like excessive drinking. And that opens a lot of their eyes because many of them are drinking four to six drinks in a night and they don't realize like just how excessive that is. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the burden that alcohol places on, on the liver and, and I think some people may know that the liver is responsible for estrogen detoxification. And so if women have impaired estrogen detoxification via the liver, there's more estrogen circulating in the body and estrogen will amplify the effects of certain neurotransmitters and keep them from being metabolized properly. Mm -hmm. So in simple terms, the higher your estrogen is, the higher your perception of stress is and the more drastic effect cortisol can wreak on on the body if it's not cleared out properly. Yeah, definitely. So if you're, you know, super stressed out and you're not going to the bathroom and you're having all this anxiety, like alcohol on top of that is making all these problems worse. 
That's why, you know, I don't know about, you know, your clientele, but a common clientele that I will get would be, you know, a woman in her 40s or 50s. She is dependent on wine. Um, she, you know, has GI issues. She can't lose weight. She's tried everything. She's super stressed out. She can't sleep. All of that's connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can't get a hold of her eating. And the other, other thing, uh, interesting thing about uh, cortisol and adrenaline is that think of a common person going through their day, how many stressors they, they encounter. So the more, as, like when someone wakes up, like a 45 year old woman wakes up, her kids are late for school. Um, husband's yelling at her about something. She's late for work. She's got this meeting, that meeting. Every little thing throughout the day is a stressor. And each stressor stimulates adrenaline from, from the brain and hypothalamus, pituitary gland, all that kind of stuff, right? But what happens is each stimulation causes cortisol to, to build up over time because adrenaline is released first, then cortisol is released. And when glucocorticoids are released into the body, it causes you to eat. Because if you think back to the, the primal days, again, after you flee or after you fight, and you've used fuel, your body wants to refuel. So you're constantly in this soup of stress and refueling. And that's why people binge eat or they can't stop snacking when they're stressed out. Yeah. That's what causes the weight gain over time. Have you ever seen the opposite though? Because I feel like I've seen some of my clients at least where they are always doing something and they seem to be very busy and they actually seem to like not have an appetite or would you say it's more Mm. so a mental distraction going on that's taking away from listening to their hunger? It could be a mental thing. It could be a genetic thing as well, because yeah. again, there's a genetic component to how people metabolize cortisol. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's via something called 11 beta HSD. And so cortisol is the active hormone. It gets metabolized into something called cortisone and a Dutch test can reveal how well you, you do this process. Mm-hmm. But some people might just not metabolize things well and the cortisol effects linger and then it causes them to, to eat or whatnot. Other people might metabolize faster. They clear it and they move on. Yeah. So. And so like if you're wanting to work on just internal health in general for like our audience, alcohol yeah. really doesn't have a place right now. Um, I feel like alcohol and pertaining to even fitness goals, like excessive drinking really doesn't have a place at all. And this is just something that you're going to have to work on removing out of your lifestyle, because if you're wanting to live a healthier fit lifestyle, alcohol is not your, your buddy. And, you know, I've seen people who are like, Oh, I drink all the time and I can still reach my fitness goals, but it seems to be more of a dependency thing. And I don't think it's something that we should be preaching all the time. It's just like, yeah, I have a problem. I need to drink a bottle of wine. Like that's not okay. <laughs> at, at best, it's a band-aid that will eventually catch up to the person and cause a cascade of other issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I agree completely that it has really has no place. Yeah. It's like an, the addiction that you said. And then there's also the addiction of over-exercising. And that can be another problem when you're dealing with this is yeah. If you are the, the marathon trainer, if you are the bodybuilder that has to do a show every single year to be relevant, like if yeah. you are that person, then that's another area that you have to work on is like, you can't just use your fit hobby as a way of distraction. Cause I know I'm guilty of that. And that set me up for a horrible hormonal nightmare in like mm-hmm. 2019. 
Yeah, people really need to examine their coping mechanisms. You know, some people are, uh, they have like an addictive substance use coping mechanism where they want to increase dopamine. So there could be food, um, alcohol, right? These things mm-hmm. that make them feel good and relaxed. And then other people might have avoidance stuff. So, you know, doing like your example of someone constantly competing and delving into this lifestyle, it could be an avoidance thing that totally. they don't want to deal with life. Totally. Yeah. And you have to call yourself out on that. You have to recognize like, what behavior am I doing right now? And is this really helpful for me? Because marathon training is incredibly hard on the body doing Mm -hmm. bikini preps, very, very hard on the body. And so if you are feeling super tired and burnt out, I mean, if your friend, cause I even had this, I had a friend tell me like, Hey, like, I think you're doing too much. I think you need to give yourself a break. If you find you get defensive with that, instead of getting defensive, just hear that person out because your significant other, your best friend, a family member, they're not all out to get you. They're actually there to help you sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. I think a lot of times when people are high performers, they're very stressed out they'll eventually find themselves at a point where they're very alone because they pushed everyone away and they said, no, it's not me. You know, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not this or that. And then they have this aha moment, you know, at the end where they're like, oh shit, you know, hopefully, hopefully before they're all alone and hopefully. Yeah. 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 (laughs) What did they say about, um, like, um, an entrepreneur being sad in their super nice car. Although I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's a whole different other rabbit hole, but yeah, that's a, uh, that's a <laughs> We're not going to talk about cars of you, Jeffrey. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's kind of throw out like a fake scenario and, and talk, yeah. talk about this person. So let's sure. say I am a 40 year old female. I've got kids, I'm married and I have a very stressful job. Let's say I'm a nurse. Okay. Mm-hmm. My hours are super weird because I work overnights. I am currently training five times a week and doing cardio five times a week. And um, I like to drink five nights a week where I have two to three glasses of wine. Um, What would be your suggestions for that person? So number one, I would probably ask them what their goals are, what the timeline looks like. Okay and see what their expectations of themselves are. Because when you can temper expectations and lower the bar a little bit, be more realistic, that person might not be training five days a week anymore. They might be like, okay, well, you know what? I can, I can do three and get there in you know, maybe a couple more months longer worth of time, right? So then you, you start to peel back on the extremes. The extremes no longer become necessary because the person has come to terms with a more reasonable goal. Then secondly, any sort of um, harmful behaviors, I would say, first of all, identify them so that they recognize that it's a harmful behavior. And then secondly, don't expect them to change overnight. So there there could be some tapering schedule for alcohol. There could be, um, I actually had a client who was in the situation where her children were telling her that she was drinking too much or not spending time with her, but with, with the kids. And I told her, I said, give your kid, kids a stack of um, sticky, sticky notes. And for every you know, moment that every day that they feel like you, you've been present as a mother, they'll give you one sticky note mm-hmm. and you have to rack up three to have one drink. So that was a little 
you know, tool that I employed with her and it's been going well. Yeah. I think setting up some like healthy systems of even I've had clients where they'll try to do like two weeks and then 30 days of like no alcohol or even some that like have just gone out to eat a lot and they'll just try to scale back on that. And then they'll reward themselves with maybe like a cute gym outfit or something like that. And so healthy reward systems can be helpful for like the client. You have to be coachable. You can't just shut down. And so if your coach is saying scale back, they're, they're not going to say it in some, some, something negative for you. Like this is just supposed to be a positive experience for you. So if your coach is telling you you're doing too much, we need to do this instead, that's going to be a good move for you. But as a client, it's okay to have anxieties. It's okay to have a little bit of doubt, but it's still important for you to try your best to apply it. Yeah. I always stress the, uh, the concept of return on investment. So an ROI. So I always ask people, you know, you, you do all this stuff, right? You're working out so much, you're eating so little. And what have you accomplished in the last, you know, three months? And most of the time they'll say that I haven't done anything. I've been at a standstill. I've installed out. Mm-hmm. And so you reason with them and make them understand that the, the right path isn't to do more, to pile on top. Yeah. You know, it's illogical. It's the, the same thing of like insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And so if you are the chronic dieter over exerciser, putting so much on your plate, what would happen if you started to do the opposite and yeah. you have to get away from the ego of like, that's what lazy people do. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to, you know, not be a fit person or whatever. And like, get away from those labels that you put on yourself and just be okay. Embracing something different. Absolutely. Agreed. I think for some women too, who identify in their bodies, it can be really challenging at the thought of looking different and like becoming a different version of themselves. Like I have a good friend of mine where everyone would call her tiny and mighty. And she decided she wanted to take, I think she's on like three years now of just like in an improvement phase and like Mm -hmm. trying to build muscle. And she's like, I'm not tiny and mighty. I'm just strong. And it's getting away from setting that label of like, I'm the small one. I, I wear a double zero. I'm this weight. I can never weigh over a certain weight. Like you have to get away from that if you're wanting to yeah. improve and get better. Yeah. Self-identification and um, value association are definitely huge hurdles to overcome in, I would say every client, because everyone has value assignments based off mm-hmm. of society and, and what they expect of themselves. So yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Um, what would you say is a good time period? And I know that this is going to be a variable thing, but what mm-hmm. would you say would be a good time period to recover something like this? Well, it would depend on how long they have been in a state of adrenal dysregulation. So adrenal insufficiency happens in commonly known as four stages, if you, you know, depending on the test that you get. So you can get a, what's called a saliva cortisol test. And so it, it tests your hormone, your cortisol hormone at four different points during the day. And so you can, in the beginning stages of adrenal insufficiency, um, you see high cortisol, you know, super, super high cortisol in the morning. At end stages, that cortisol level becomes low. And that's when people start to feel that flatline feeling. Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're experiencing that flatline feeling where no matter how much you sleep, 
you just don't feel energized and you are dependent on caffeine, energy drinks, you're in the later stages of adrenal insufficiency. And the later the stages, the harder it is to fix. And so in situations like that, it's not uncommon for me to tell a client to stop all training and even cardio for a period of eight weeks, treating it just like a surgery, as if they had like a like a, an appendix removed, for example, right? I had my appendix removed. I, I was yeah, out. I was gonna say, that's a very random surgery to throw out. <laughs> yeah, I, I had it done. I was out for six weeks, I couldn't train. So it's the, the important um, concept I wanna relay here to, to your listeners is that think of hormonal issues or dysregulation or stress as a physical injury. And if you can think of it that way, you'll begin to understand the importance of healing and taking time to rest. Mm-hmm. I really like that too. I use um, a car analogy a lot of, you can look at a car on a lot. It's got the four wheels. It looks nice and shiny, no dents, no rust, nothing like that on the outside. And you think I'm going to buy that car, but you lift up the hood and you realize there's no engine. Someone stole yeah. it. <laughs> like you, you got to look at the inside too. And so recognizing yeah. that internal injuries and even, you know, in terms of mental health, sure, you can't see it on the outside, but it doesn't mean that person isn't going through something. And so it's going to take time to recover. Yeah. And, and that brings me to a, a side note of social media and what a lot of women may be holding themselves to as a standard. They may not realize just how disorganized, dysregulated, anxious, you know, fearful, sad, angry, or whatever their idols may actually be feeling. You can't see that in a perfectly edited photo. So be careful. We're thinking about the same person too, who's taking time to show some edits going on. And some of these people I've also looked at and I've thought, wow, they just look unreal. And it's because they are unreal. (laughs) Yeah. What they're, the lengths people take in order to put on a certain persona is crazy. And so, you know, who you're following. I, I don't, I think that there's great people out there, but recognize that like who you're following, um, you never truly know them and, until you get to know them in person and just be careful. If, like if you're trying to also compare, like that's another thing you, that's like a whole nother talk for another day. <laughs> yeah. The comparison, value assignments, identification, all that, that, that all adds to stress. Yeah, it does. And hey, I mean, maybe part of your recovery is going to look like taking a social media break. I think that that can be healthy. Um, It's a lot easier for people whose, you know, business isn't on social media. But -hmm. if you find that it's not doing anything positive for you, it's okay to set those boundaries up. I know that there's apps up there too, where you can just like block things after a certain time. And so if you are going on social media late at night and then you're laying in your bed thinking about like, I'm a piece of crap, like I'm never going to have those things. Like, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. That, that goes for coaches like us, you know, comparing, you know, our businesses, it goes for women out there who are trying to get in shape and, and constantly liking pictures of their favorite pros or influencers Mm -hmm. that all, yeah, it all falls under the same umbrella. Yeah. Everybody has their own insecurities too. And so even like with you talking about like some insecurities that you have with your business, like people that you look up to have their own struggles too. And so just be aware of that. Like you never know what someone's really going, going through because most people aren't going to talk about it. Yep. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, I think that this is a good place for us to end our podcast. Jeffrey, can you tell the audience where they can find you on social media and um, even talk about your other podcasts where you yeah kind of like a, a dual a duo more than a duo right. i don't know it's three <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah well my uh i'm mostly on instagram so it's under first call out fitness it's all one word um you know i, I have a website it's firstcallfitness.com. i'm also on a podcast called the excellence cartel with two other gentlemen jeff black and jason theobald and we are, um, oh, we are hosting a conference in Nashville called the Physique Education Collective. So if you're in that area or you wish to travel or want to find out more, you can go to theexcellencecartel.com to purchase tickets or you can send me a DM and I'd love to tell you more about it. And that's it. Perfect. And guys, I'm going to leave all of Jeffrey's information down below. Thanks again. All right. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Here on Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at NicoleFerrierFitness. All right, now back to the episode.